great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. This week I have uh, the talented actor Spencer Garrett. Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing great, how are you? Good, good. What's new with you? Uh, a lot, man. I'm, uh, I'm just off an airplane from uh, Vancouver. I just finished the last episode of uh, this terrific show, The Magicians, uh, that I've been recurring on for the last couple of seasons, uh, which was a blast. And uh, before that, uh, down in Atlanta with uh, the great Jason Reitman doing a, a movie about uh, Gary Hart, who's uh, somebody probably not a lot of the younger generation would know about, but uh, a Democratic uh, candidate for you know, for Senate for a president uh, in uh, in '88, and he got caught uh, monkeying around with a young lady uh, on a boat called Monkey Business, and I played Bob Woodward. Uh, the great journalist who uh, was made famous in uh, all the president's men. So that was uh, that's been a it's been an eventful month. Yeah, it's good to be busy, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, t- tell the listeners uh, a little bit, like, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm from L.A. I was born and raised in in L.A. and I kind of grew up going back and forth and back and forth between L.A. and New York City. My mom's an actor. Uh, my grandparents are actors. I'm actually third generation. My uh, my grandma and grandpa uh, ran a showboat on the Mississippi River in St. Louis really? that had a theater on it, and uh, they would go up and down the Mississippi, uh, and they would stop in little towns along the way, and people would come on the showboat, and uh, and my mom, who was a little kid, uh, they would do uh, you know vaudeville shows. My mom and my aunt. Uh, it was a, a sort of a, a floating theater that went up and down the Mississippi. So that's my. Uh, that's those are my those are my roots, yeah. and I'm uh, I'm ca- carrying on the family business. Yeah, and um, did you have a chance to perform on that too, or were you were too young? Oh no no that was that was that was that was in the 30s and 40s. Oh okay, I, was, I, th- I thought it was yeah like yeah that. long long be- long before I came around. But yeah. uh, no the the uh, the boat was actually the showboat was uh, put into dry dock uh, about 10 years ago. It lasted a long time though. Whenever I go back to St. Louis for work or for film festivals or whatever uh people always mention the goldenrod i mean it was a great part of st louis history so it's a, it's a neat thing to have been a part of to, to have that in my in my family background and my history but i never got a chance to see it myself um i i was there when i was a little kid when i was about two or three but i i don't remember it. but i've got i've got many pictures of it it was a real old-fashioned showboat with the paddle wheel and all that so uh yeah it's very that's very cool that's my that's my uh that's my my family roots there. Yeah. Is that is that somewhere like stored now where people can see it? Is it what now? Is it like stored somewhere like the boat? Where it's, people... it's actually stored. Unfortunately, it's stored in like a. It's like in a in a in a parking lot somewhere. Like in like in some it's not a junkyard, but it's like in a big parking lot with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, um, unfortunately, it's not really terribly well maintained. It was part of. It was in the. It was on the St. Louis. Uh, history, you know, a registry of historical places for a long time, uh, but they think they finally put it out to pasture. So it's it's out to pasture in wh- whatever that means for a showboat. It's out to pasture, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, it had a, it had a hell of a good run for about seventy five years. I think. Yeah, that's so, great. Um, yeah. 
So you said your family was into acting. Like, is that what like pursued you to go into it, or did you have other interests at first? Oh no, I, I, they, they didn't, they didn't push me. If anything, the opposite. They, uh, they were like, uh, you know, if if this is if this is your jam, if this is what you want to do, then by all means go for it. But I, I knew very well when I was a little kid and seeing my mom's career kind of go up and down and up and down and, and my grandparents career, you know, who made a, made a living at it, you know, in the theater. But I, I, I had a pretty good sense of it when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, I knew, I knew that it was not, uh, you know, all sunshine and roses all the time. So, uh, they were like, uh, you know, if you want to do this, do it, but make sure that you are well-trained and well-prepared and, and ready for, the roller coaster ride that it is and you know and it has been um it's been a it's been a fun roller coaster ride but it's definitely a roller coaster ride of of ups and downs you know as you could imagine yeah did you uh go to college to major like in acting and theater or, or is it because i went to uh i went to duke university uh in north carolina i was a i was a public policy major i think at one at one time i thought i was going to go into public service or government uh, or law. And I mean, I was always like doing monkeying around doing school plays. And I was like the ham in elementary school and, and always putting on plays for, for family parties and things like that. So, I mean, I, I had a, I had a, a bent for performing and show business when I was a little kid, but when I got to college, I think because I, I knew what a grind it was, uh, the business, I, I was kind of looking to go the other way and uh and then i got cast in a play i auditioned for a play and i thought wow i'm actually pretty good at this and you know you hear that first sound of laughter or the first you know applause from the audience and i, I kind of got hooked and i think i i think i knew all along that that that's what i wanted to do um i was just sort of denying it um but once i started doing theater in college i was kind of I kind of got the bug and I was kind of, I was, I was kind of uh, hooked from that point on. So when I got out of college, I went to theater school and conservatory and, and started training, but, uh, I, I had no intentions of being an actor when I went to college. Yeah. So how was it going to Duke? Are you a big, uh, blue devils basketball fan? Oh, hell yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah. guess like, I, I, it's like, I look forward to it every, you know, every season, um, you know, March madness. Cause we always do really well. Uh, or not, not always, but most of the time we, we've had a pretty good record. So I, I, I look forward to following those guys, uh, during the college basketball season. College basketball is always much more fascinating, much more fun and fun to watch to me than, than, uh, than professional basketball. So I look forward to the college basketball season, probably more than any other season, uh, besides, uh, Yankee baseball. Yeah. Oh, you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan all all my life. Even growing up in L.A., I was a Yankee fan. Yeah, I started. I, I got I got I got into the Yankees like during the Reggie Jackson, Thurman Munson, you know, during that era in the '70s. So I've I've been I've been hooked on the Yankees for yeah. since I was a little kid. Much much to the dismay of all my my L.A. Dodger fan friends. Yeah. that's what I was going to ask you. I know, like you know, people moved to L.A. and they turned to Dodger fans. Uh yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of actors here from Chicago. Uh, who are diehard Cub fans. Uh, most of my New York pals from New York are, are still Yankee fans. I, I don't, I mean, it's, it takes a lot to turn somebody into a Dodger fan. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was, I was a Dodger fan too as a kid growing up. I mean, I went to games. I went to, I mean, the first World Series I went to was in, was in 74 here at Dodger Stadium. And, um, 
you know, but I think you have to, I think you really think you have to be born and born and bred in LA to be a Dodger fan. I don't think, uh, uh, I think it takes a lot to convert you to, to being a Dodger fan. I think you, you bring, you bring that hometown spirit of the team you grew up rooting for wherever you came from. So, uh, you know, but I, but I, I listen, I root for the Dodgers. I rooted for them last season and the season before we'd be, you know, we've been in contention and, you know, I still see, I say we, I say we, I'm, I'm, I still root for my, it's my hometown. So I can, I can be a Dodger and a Yankee fan, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Yankees are stuck. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I I live in LA because this is where the work is and where, where, you know, where I make my living. But, uh, my, my heart and soul is in New York. So it's in two different places. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between two lovers. Do you visit, do you still visit New York a lot? Oh, did like 10 times a year. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Constantly, I was there two weeks ago. I went back. I needed a, I needed a, a serious theater fix, so I went back for three days and saw five shows. Had a couple of friends and some plays, and so I go. I go back all the time. I had I had a place. I had a place there for the last twenty years, up until about three years ago. I finally had to give it up. My my land my landlords realized that I didn't really live there anymore for about fifteen years, and I got a letter from them saying the jig is up. So I had to I, I had to give up my place. Yeah. But uh, but New York is New York is still. Is still home to me. Uh, how was it auditioning for uh, TVs and movies in the eighties and nineties like, compared to like now? Um, how was it? In what sense? How was it? What do you mean? Like how have I mean, things changed? Ah, uh, it's well, it's changed in that you know you used to you used to show up at the casting director's office with a you know with a, a hard copy of your headshot and resume, and you walked into a room and there were you know ten, twelve, fifteen guys. Uh, all of whom, you know, we all got to know each other over the years and there's still a, a group of us, you know, I call them the usual suspects. I mean, I go into a, I go into read for something occasionally now and I see the same, you know, five, six, seven, eight guys there that, you know, we all came up together because we've all been doing this for, you know, 20, 25 years. And so I see a lot of the same guys. I mean, now it's all done digitally, you know, your agent submits you online, uh, you know, so you're not, you're not driving around with a, a stack of headshots, you know, on the seat next to you in your car. Uh, going around to casting directors' offices and you know knocking on doors, but it's it's changed in that sense, uh, you know. And also, when you're when you're around long enough, uh, eventually, you know, when you're reading for guest spots, back in the '80s and '90s, you know, you're going out, you're grinding out, you're going and reading four or five things a week. Uh, now, fortunately, I've I've been around long enough that uh, you know the agent calls and they say, you know, you've been offered this or you've been offered that. Um, I don't have to audition as much anymore, uh, which is which is nice. It's a, it's a nice nice place to be at in my career, but uh, I still do, and and I still like to audition actually because it's uh, and I think I think most actors will tell you that auditioning is a chance to act. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to get into a room and and show your wares. You know, show your stuff. So uh, I actually I actually dig auditioning. So do you um, I'm I'm go ahead. No, you go. No, I was going to say, do you remember your first time that you auditioned? Oh, my first audition. Wow. Um, man, I think, well, my very, very first audition, my very, very first, I was eight years old. Um, my best friend's mom had written a script for a movie of the week. Uh, and I was, I think, 10 years old. And, uh, and the, and I, and I got a hold of the script that she'd read and there was a role of a little German kid, uh, in the script. And it was like a German family. Um, 
living in the Midwest uh, in the 1930s. And I read this script and I remember thinking, wow, I can, I was really kind of into doing accents and things. And cause I was like, like I said, I was very, very hammy and very theatrical. And so I remember thinking I can do a German accent. And I got somehow I got, I got myself to the audition. I found out who the casting director was and I took a bus after school. Um, and I went to this casting office where they were holding auditions for this little German kid in my best friend's mom's uh, movie of the week that she'd written. And uh, I kind of, behind everybody's back, I got cast in the movie. Um, and uh, and I, I got cast in the role, and they, they called my house, and my mom answered the phone. And they said, you know, we want to hire your son. And my mom knew, not, knew nothing about this, <laughs> nor did my best friend's mom. And, uh, and all of a sudden, and that was my very first job. And I think I, I, think I got paid like seven fifty for the week. And, um, and it was a, a pretty significant kind of lead role doing a little German accent. And, uh, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what got me started. I mean, I did little things like that when I was a kid, uh, you know, in my, in my, you know, in my elementary school years and, you know, and, and teens, uh, after school specials, things like that. But the, the, you know, like I said, I didn't really start, I kind of put that aside because I decided I wanted to be a serious grown up person and went off to college. Um, so I didn't really, I mean, I wasn't like a child actor that grew into this career. I you know, kind of put it down and then went off to high school and college and then kind of came back to it. But that was the first, that was my first memory of auditioning for something, going into a room and, you know, seeing a bunch of kids sitting there in the hallway with their moms, uh, you know, holding scripts in their hands. And I already had the thing memorized and I walked in, you know, with this little German accent and, and nailed it, you know, um, much, much to everybody's surprise. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> do, you, do you still have the the German accent? Uh, I still have the German accent, and I still have a copy of the uh, of the show. It was called "Are You a Missing Heir?" It was a it was a movie of the week about people who died and left great sums of money. You know, uh, heirs and heiresses. And I have it somewhere in a box, uh, and it's on good old Betamax. Yeah. But uh, but I, I have I have had the opportunity to break out that German accent a couple of times in a couple of different movies. I did a, I did a movie a couple of years ago with Catherine Keener called Lovely and Amazing, uh, and I played a German guy named Willy who was uh, he was a very very flamboyant, very flashy guy who was a shopkeeper in West Hollywood, and uh, and he and she was coming into the store to to sell him some wrapping paper that she'd made. And it had little brown spots on it, and I said, "That looks like a little turd." And uh, that was my, that was my line in the movie. Um, yeah, that was uh, it. Was called "Lovely and Amazing." Still, my favorite role that I've ever done: Willie the shopkeeper, talking about a little turd. So, so I was looking at your IMDb, and you know, you've done, you've been in almost everything: you, movies, TV shows. What are like some of your favorites that you've been in? Oh wow! Well, I mean, it, it, when I look at when I see my IMDb, I, I'm, it, it looks like I, I should be like 117 years old. I feel like I've been in this business forever, but I've really only been doing it since 1990. I just kind of I got I got lucky, man. I just you know I love to work, uh, and I got into a good groove, and and uh, it it took me a little while to kind of catch on, um, but then kind of when I got into my 40s, I I I kind of I kind of got into a a nice groove. Um, some of my some of my favorite things are uh, obviously Air Force One, which was kind of my my first big 
uh, big sort of blockbuster movie thing to have been a part of. Um, I mean, it doesn't get any better than Harrison Ford and Glenn Close and Gary Oldman. And to be around all those people and Wolfgang Peterson directing, I mean, it was a kind of a master class in, you know, as, as a young actor, a 25-year-old actor, to be on the set with all of those sort of giants to just kind of sit back and watch and see how that kind of film is made. I mean, that was a real, uh, you know, that was a real, that was a masterclass for me. Uh, right before that, I had done a movie uh, called uh, The Stars Fell on Henrietta uh, that not a lot of people saw, but uh, it was with Robert Duvall, uh, who was a, still is one of my great acting heroes uh, growing up. And I had done an episode of... Um, did an episode of uh, uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, the old TV show. Yeah. And the guy that uh, the guy that directed uh, that episode uh, came up to me afterwards. It was actually James Keach, the actor James Keach, who was married at the time to Jane Seymour, uh, the, uh, the the star of that show. And he came up to me after, after we finished uh, shooting, and he said, I'm doing this movie with Robert Duvall, uh, and it takes place in uh, Dust Bowl, Texas in the 1930s. And there's a nice little role in there for you if you'd like to do it. And I, I said, you know, twi twist my arm. Um, and about uh, two months later, I was in Austin, Texas, uh, driving down dusty Texas roads in a 1936 Hudson convertible with my acting hero, Robert Duvall. So that was really like my first, my first experience being on a, on a set of a big movie. Uh, and then not long after that was, you know, was Air Force One and Ghost of Mississippi and with Rob Reiner. So I had some, re I, had, I was lucky enough to really have some good early experiences with some extraordinary actors that I, that I grew up admiring. Um, I mean, just very, very fortunate to have gotten to be in some things that, uh, uh, that I, that I got to learn how to be an actor, how to, how to, how to be on set. Uh, and I was just a sponge, just soaking up everything I could learn from, you know, being behind the scenes and, 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 and watching these amazing actors from Francis Fisher to Aidan Quinn to Billy Bob Thornton to Brian Dennehy, um, you know, just all of these people that I was around. So I got to be around some really extraordinary people from a very young age. So th those early experiences to me were very, very much um, part of my, you know, par part of my, my growing up. And, and um, uh, but I've, I mean, I've, I've had some, I've had some very, very lucky uh, uh, experiences with Michael Mann, who put me in Public Enemies, um, with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, that that was a that was a favorite of mine. Michael has been a great champion of mine, and I've done three three films with Michael Mann, and um, uh, he's he's become a great mentor and a great friend. So you know things like that. I've just I've just been really really lucky to have been a part of this business and gotten to work with some terrific people. You've also done a few comedies, like Yes Man. Uh, yeah, yes, man. That's another great example. Jim Carrey was was just wonderful. I mean, I just I just laughed my ass off for three weeks uh, on set with him. Uh, nothing more fun than being on a set with him. I mean, he was just he was lovely to me, and uh, and we and we had a blast. And 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 a, and a young and uh, sort of brand new uh, Bradley Cooper, um, yeah. who uh, I hadn't really done a heck of a lot. Uh, before then, and then, uh, and then a year later, he did uh, did the Hangover. Had a very small part in Yes Men, and then a, and a year later, he did the Hangover and just just blew up. Uh, but we became friends on that thing, and uh, so that was fun to kind of kind of watch him uh, kind of explode from that from that point on. But being being with Jim and Zoe Deschanel and uh, Peyton Reed, who directed it, who's now you know doing the Ant Man films, yeah. um, 
yeah, that was a, that was a terrific experience. But I just, I, I don't think I've laughed ever so hard in my life than those three weeks I spent on the set with Jim Carrey. Yeah, he just seems like that type of guy that probably just goofs around all the time, huh? Just goofing around all the time, and, and, and he and Zoe had a great rapport, and just take after take, they love to do multiple takes, and he loves to try things different ways and experiment and, you know, kind of throw, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And, uh, you know, when I was playing the straight man in that movie, and I, I had a really hard time, somewhere there exists some outtakes of me just cracking up. Uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're just, there's, there's footage somewhere of us. And I think they showed the blooper reel at the rap party. Um, I, I had a very hard time keeping a straight face because, you know, when you're around Jim Carrey, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a, not only is it a masterclass in acting, but it's a masterclass in comedy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so that was a, that was a lot of fun. I had a blast and I'd come off of doing several kind of dark, heavy television things, very moody, you know, mood pieces and, you know, playing a lot of, you know, dark lawyers and tortured guys. And all of a sudden to get to do this comedy was, uh, uh, was what I needed at the, at the right time. Cause I was kind of, I was, I got into a place where I was kind of playing a lot of the same guy. Uh, and then to get to play something in the, something so broad, uh, was really, was really a trip and, and, and a gasp. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Brian Padone here, founder of Quiet Punch. When I'm not listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, you can catch me filming one of my live workouts on quietpunch.com. Check it out today. That's quietpunch.com. Hey, this is Adam Nutter. And this is Greg Trout. Come check out our podcast, Nerds with Words. Adam and I talk about pop culture, comedy, comic books, movies, conspiracies. We're both comedians and we might make you laugh. Every week we welcome a guest from the entire spectrum of pop culture and science and comedy. You can follow us on Twitter at NerdsWithWords1. Hey, this is Jeremy Palco from The Walking Dead, and you're listening to The Man Cave Chronicles. And uh, we were talking before we went on the air that recently you were on Lethal Weapon, the TV show. Yeah. Yeah, how yep, was that? that was fun. That was terrific. That was terrific. That was a uh, that was a nice kind of a, a you know an offer out of the blue. Uh, I wasn't aware uh, of the show. I hadn't seen it yet, so it was fun to sort of catch up and uh, uh, and you know catch up and watch several episodes before I went to uh, work on it and kind of get the tone and the vibe of the show. And uh, I was a fan of uh, of Clay called uh, Crawford. Uh, Clayne Crawford, who was on the show Rectify, which uh, was a show on Netflix that I really, really loved. And I worked with Damon uh, years ago. Uh, so, uh, you know, ter- terrific actors, and, and they're really making it their own. So uh, it, that was a fun thing to be a part of. I, I was I was only on that for like uh, probably like three or four days, but uh, I, I had a great time. And it's it was one of those things where, you know, they you, you get a call out of the blue and, and they say, uh, come to work, and you just show up and and you just uh, you just have a ball. So I, I I love being a part of that. Went from that to uh, uh, to playing a you know having having a having a good time and, and uh, you know again you know being an actor you're, you're you're on this you know not only is it like a career roller coaster but you're always on a on an emotional roller coaster. And so to go from like laughing constantly for several days in a row uh, you know with with Clayne Crawford and, and Damon Wayans on the set of Lethal Weapon and then the following week I was on the set of Code Black. 
uh, you know, playing a cancer victim. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to, really looking forward to another comedy very soon. What do you think is the hardest role uh, that you played? The hardest role in terms of, uh, in terms of what, in terms of, uh, physicality yeah, or emotionally yeah. or yeah like what do you think we'll, uh well you know I, we we uh i did i did a movie the week years ago called uh smoke jumpers um where uh a group of us me and noah emmerich um and tim carhart and some really wonderful actors we played firefighters uh this you know the smoke jumpers that jump out of airplanes and fight fires and um and we did like a boot camp we did like a three-week uh, boot camp uh, before, you know, kind of learning, learning how, uh, to, to, to be those guys and what those guys go through. Uh, physically, that was the hardest thing, uh, that I've, that I've been a part of. Um, you know, that, that was, that that was, that was very demanding. Obviously, you know, what, what the, what those real life guys do is, you know, is extraordinary above and beyond. Um, but, you know, I was given a little taste of, uh, uh, you know of of what what their lives are and how they put their lives on the line for us. I mean, I'm, they're they're doing it they're doing it for us now, and you know, in California with all these fires. Um, so I you know I couldn't even begin to fathom what it is they go through. But uh, you know, we went through this boot camp, and uh, you know, getting to experience being around fire and things like that. It was uh, uh, you know it was really uh, it was really a trip. I mean, we 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 get paid to play make believe and play dress up, and you know, so when, whenever. You know, whenever actors complain about, uh, you know, I oh, I had to go through boot camp to play, you know, to do this war movie, and complaining about what they had to go through, you know, you'll you'll never hear me complain about anything. I, I, yeah. I'm very fortunate to, you know, to 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 do what I get to do, and and you know, I'm uh, I would never never pretend or presume to uh, uh, to to understand what those guys really really go through, but uh, but that was uh, that physically that was the most demanding thing. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, and then being being on a picture like like Public Enemies, uh, Michael Mann keeps very, very long hours. We had some we had some 22 hour days sometimes. Wow. Uh, and then uh, Black Hat, I did a, a Black Hat for him a couple of years ago with Chris Hemsworth and Viola Davis. And we were uh, we were in Kuala Lumpur and Shanghai and, and uh, uh, Jakarta, um, all over Indonesia. And um, so the there was some there was some really uh, kind of kind of tough conditions um you know physically tough conditions um that you know you wouldn't think it's it's not it's not always uh, it's not always glamour and you know craft service and fancy trailers and all that sometimes you're in some really shitty yeah. <laughs> locations <laughs> so uh, that was that's but uh you know what for the most part i've been i've been really really lucky um uh, you know getting to uh getting to do uh getting to do terrific terrific work uh you know in some really interesting places so uh i got no complaints yeah. what do you think what do you think has been your favorite character that you yeah, you've done i you know what i mean i i love that uh i love that character i love that that german that, that yeah. silly german gay guy uh <laughs> willie i mean i just had such a blast playing him i uh I, I i did love the role in uh in public enemies very much that 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 movie is actually something that that really kind of changed my life and changed my career so i i have a special fondness for that, I I had tended to be cast as the same thing, uh, you know, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, bent congressmen, uh, corrupt senators, a lot of those kinds of guys. And when I went to audition for Public Enemies, uh, you know, the 1930s gangster movie about yeah. John Dillinger, and I loved that period so much, 
and I love films from that era so much and the old gangster movies with Edward G. Robinson and James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart and, and I you know I love that era I really really wanted to be a part of that film and I was brought in to read for the part of one of Johnny Depp's uh, uh, gangster henchmen and I didn't think I was going to get cast and I said to the casting director you know can, can you have me read for uh, you know one of the FBI guys or one of the judges or you know, and she said, I've been following your career for 20 years and I know what it is that you do and I want to see you do something different and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do something different. So come back tomorrow and I want you to, to play this. It was the, the character of Tommy Carroll, who was the getaway car driver and, you know, he's a thug. He was a bad guy and I just, I really never really got those guys before and so I ended up getting cast in that and um, and that movie, uh, that movie changed my life. That movie um, that movie, uh, you know, put me, put me in, on a different track. Yeah. Um, so I'm, 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 I've been forever grateful to, to Michael for putting me, uh, you know, in that movie and, and, you know, being around actors like Johnny Depp and Jason Clark and, uh, Stephen Dorff and, and, uh, Marion Cotillard and, you know, uh, Stephen Lang, just, just great people. And so that was six months of, uh, uh of, of another great experience of getting to play uh, a real character who wasn't, you know, strutting around a courtroom or, you know, uh, uh, do, playing, playing things that I intended to play kind of over and over again. Yeah. And it, it gave me a chance to spread my wings a little bit. So, um, yeah, that you, was a, that you, was a good one. You didn't feel typecast. I didn't feel typecast. I'd been, I felt like I'd been typecast, uh, up until that point to a certain extent and, and public enemies kind of made people aware of, Oh yeah, he can really do other things. He's a real character actor, um, which is what I've always wanted to be. You know, those guys to me, you know, the the, the Robert Duvalls, the Gene Hackmans, uh, the Al Pacinos, you know, the, the guys that, uh, you know, that started out, you know, the guys that made their careers as character actors yeah. um, and, and became stars as character actors, um, particularly Gene Hackman and, you know, uh, and Pacino, the guys that were really doing, you know, great character work. That's what I always wanted to be. Um, you know, and then later coming up in the 80s, uh, you know, actors like Malkovich and William Hurt and Gary Sinise and a lot of the actors that came up through the Steppenwolf Theater Company. Um, just, uh, you know, I wanted to be a character actor. That's all I ever wanted to be. Bo Bridges, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman. But, you know, th th those those are the guys that uh, I mean, to me, Gary Oldman, you know, the ultimate character actor who's who's a who's a, a star. Uh, he's to me, he's a movie star. He would probably say differently. He's a journeyman character actor. And that's, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 that's what I always aspired to be. So it put me public enemies kind of put me into a, a category of, this is a guy who's a character actor that can play different characters. And, um, you know, and I've, and I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. Do you, um, who do you look up to? Like, you know, in the acting world, like, like somebody like, like the, Oh, I want to, be with him in a show or in a movie. Do you have like anybody you're looking up that you look up to? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, I, I mean, I, I mentioned Duvall several yeah. times. I, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is, is somebody that I've, that I've, uh, uh, I've admired for many, many years. Who's become a friend, uh, and a mentor. And, um, we've worked together a couple of times and, and we're always looking for something to do together. Uh, we did a, we did a play together last year. We've done, I think I've been in part of three films with him. Uh, but he's somebody that I admire very much and I look up to uh, as an actor and, uh, and a man. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities to work with 
with Fishburne again. But uh, so I, I would say that uh, he's probably the probably the best example of of a of a, of a role model for me. Yeah. Um, you know, as a as an actor and a person. So I'm I'd, I'd love to work with him anytime. What um what advice do you give to people that want to get into acting? To uh, you mean to uh, when you say people, you're talking about kids, young kids. Uh, I mean, I, I I go back, I go back, and uh, I, I actually teach. Uh, I teach a master class. I teach uh, young students. I mean, anywhere from you know twenty to twenty to forty. Um, and you know, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time in this business. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of obviously a great amount of television work. It's kind of a golden age for television. Um, you know, that kind of started back with Sopranos and HBO. And now you have all of these, uh, incredible opportunities for work on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and just incredible work being done on television more so than in film. And so, you know, it's, uh, it, but it's still, it's still a, a very hard business to break into. So I, I tell students that I teach and anybody that asks me for advice, I give them the same advice that, that my uh, teacher and mentor, uh, Sanford Meisner, uh, who was uh, kind of a legendary acting teacher. I was fortunate enough to have studied with him for seven years. Um, and when I went to him at first, when I was 20 years old, and he said, um, don't do this unless you absolutely 100% feel it in your bones and your blood, and you, you have to do this. Like, don't be an actor unless you feel in your body that you have to do this, that you can't do anything else because it's, it's hard out there, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's tough out there. So I, uh, I tell that, I tell that to the students and I've, I've been really blessed to have taught, uh, a really, just really, really talented group of kids over the last couple of years who are just really game and really into it and really committed to their craft. And, um, but I, I say to them all the time, it's like, you know, don't do this unless you're ready to, you know, unless you're ready to, 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 to wait a lot and to have uh, rejection, uh, on a, on a daily, weekly basis. I mean, I still do, uh, you know, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm 54 years old. I've been doing this for 25 years now and, you know, and you still get, you still get to hear no a lot and it's yeah. no fun. Um, as you know, and I've, I've been, I guess by any measure, I'd say successful, but, uh, you know, when you still hear no, it still stings. So if you're, yeah. if you're ready to hear no, um, for 30 years, uh, then, you know, this is the job for you, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a grind and it can be a real bitch. Do you feel or think that there's more opportunities now because I like Netflix and Hulu because absolutely, the whole street, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of, I mean, there's, you know, and there's just an, an extraordinary amount of uh, work. I'm sure you've heard, uh, you know, Atlanta, uh, a good chunk of the business has moved to Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, there's an enormous amount of work opportunities going on in Atlanta. And now uh, there's always been a lot of work in Vancouver and Toronto, but now it's all over the, the, the states that are offering the, ta the tax incentives um, are really where most of the work is. It's really not Los Angeles. It's uh, it's, you know, it's Atlanta, it's New Orleans, it's Florida. So, um, it's a good, I mean, it's a good time to be an actor. If you want, you know, if it, it's a good time to, 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 to get some work and to, uh, you know, to make your bones. Um, it's because there's a, there's a, an enormous amount of opportunity that out there, but you know, that being said, there's, there's a lot more competition. Yeah. You're competing, you know, you're competing, uh, against, 
um, probably a wider a wider range of of actors, um, you know, for the same jobs. Um, but when I started out, you know, there were the three networks or the four networks, including Fox. Um, you know, there was, I mean, there wasn't all of the scripted drama on HBO and Showtime that you have now. And now with all the streaming stuff, um, it's, uh, there's, there, there's a lot more opportunities and a lot more opportunities just to be creative. Um, you know, uh, there's just a, a really just a wonderful, wonderful characters being created for, you know, for actors. So it's, it's a good time for an actor and it's a tough time for an actor, but it's always a tough time for an actor. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough business, but I, so I always encourage my students and people that ask me for advice, you know, keep, keep your feet wet in the theater, keep doing theater, keep, uh, keep learning, keep stretching, keep, keep growing. Um, you know, never, never get stale because you never know when the opportunity is going to arise. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's just, it's really important to, 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 to stay at it and stay at your craft and never give up. Do you have any uh, future projects that you want to talk about? Um, I got a film coming out with uh, uh, an old friend of mine, Emilio Estevez, uh, who I uh, I first worked with on the movie Bobby. Um, I want to say 17 years ago uh, about uh, about Bobby Kennedy. Uh, Emilio and I met. Uh, he directed me on an episode of a television show. He was getting his uh, kind of getting his directing chops uh, by directing television, uh, learning how to be a director by directing a lot of television. And I was in uh, Turkey doing a film uh, with Billy Zane and Gary Busey in Istanbul, Turkey. And I got a telegram back when people sent telegrams <laughs> to my ho- to my hotel. And Emilio said, I'm doing this movie about Bobby Kennedy and I want you to be a part of it. And as soon as you're done, uh, you're coming straight to work. So as soon as I was done, I flew from L.A., from from Istanbul to London, London to L.A., and I landed the plane and I went right from the airport to the set of Bobby um, that day, literally, uh, and started a relationship with uh, with Emilio, who's become a great friend. And we've done Bobby and uh, and The Way, uh, and we just did this friend uh, this this uh, film called The Public, which is a great great passion project of his that he's been trying to make for twelve years. Uh, and it's Alec Baldwin and Jeffrey Wright and Michael K. Williams and Christian Slater and Jenna Malone. And, Taylor Schilling and just an unbelievable cast. We shot it in Cincinnati uh, back in February, and it's coming out uh, uh, coming out at the end of next month. So I'm very, very, very proud of that one, and um, I'm looking forward to everybody seeing that because it's a real labor of love for Emilio, and it's going to be a, a very, very important film too. So I, I hope people go see the public when it comes out. So that's getting released at the movies. It will be released in uh, yeah in the spring. Yep. The public, um, and I, I'm not sure who the production company is, but uh, you, you'll 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 be hearing about it. I mean, with that with that ridiculous cast, it's uh, it's going to yeah. get a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, it's a true story based on a bunch of homeless people uh, that were looking for a place to s- sleep one night, and they ended up crashing at the uh, at the public library in Cincinnati, uh, and they kind of ended up having a sit-in, um, and it caused a big public up you know public uproar uh, within the community. And, um, it's just a, it's a, just a very beautiful film and, um, I hope everybody will see it. All right. And, uh, lastly, how can the listeners find you? You're on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on, uh, uh, one number one, Spencer Garrett on Twitter and Spencer Garrett one on Instagram. 
and um, and keep uh, keep on the lookout for. Uh, uh, I'm starting a podcast, uh, not nice. not your kind of podcast, but a, uh, this is actually a scripted drama. Uh, it's called America 2.0, and it's going to be on uh, Gimlet Media and Stitcher and iTunes and a couple of other places. Uh, and it's uh, with Lawrence Fishburne and Ming Na and myself and Jack Coleman, Patrick Adams from Suits, um, Abigail Spencer and Kate Walsh and just uh, an incredible cast, uh, and it's a, a political drama um, called America 2.0, and that will be uh, dropping in February. Right. And how many, uh, how many episodes are you uh, thinking you're going to be doing? Uh, we're, doing, we're, doing uh, we're doing six episodes. Um, I'm sorry, uh, no, ten episodes. We're doing ten episodes of that for our first season, and um, it's, uh, it's about a young congressman that comes to D.C. who's very bad at his job, and there's a kind of a, a Donald Trump-like president, um, and he sort of they, they, they clash and butt heads a lot. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays the president, and he's brilliant. It's just a, it's a brilliant, brilliant cast. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of this. I'm producing it as as well as uh, being one of the actors in it. So I'm I'm really looking forward to everybody hearing that. Yeah. Now, how do you guys do something? Like, do, you, do you like everybody get in the studio with microphones? It just I I wish I wish that was. I mean, I wish we could get everybody. Um, there's a, a really wonderful podcast called Homecoming with Catherine Keener and Oscar, Oscar Isaac and Dave Cross. They actually had the luxury of uh, of all being together. I'm not sure how they worked out all their schedules. They were all they all recorded it all in in the recording booth at the studio at the same time. Uh, we didn't have that luxury because we had Kate Walsh, uh, we had Kate Walsh in San Francisco doing 13 Reasons Why and. Patrick Adams doing Suits in Toronto and Lawrence Fishburne doing Ant-Man in Atlanta. So we got them where they were and they recorded in, uh, in recording booths where they were. And uh, through the magic of technology, we've got them all mixed together. Uh, and everybody sounds like, you know, if I, I'm, doing, I'm doing a scene with Fishburne uh, and he's in Atlanta and I'm in L.A. recording. Uh, magically, it sounds like we're talking to each other in the same room. It's it's phenomenal what what the, what the engineers have done, and it's going to sound like we're all you know uh, walking down the step you know the steps of the Capitol together. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's a it's a, a it's a terrific show. All right. uh, I want to thank you for coming out to the podcast, and hope you come back on again. Yeah, man, my this pleasure. Anytime.